0: This is one-on-one's NHL podcast, where we take on the five hottest issues in hockey with three of our NHL beat reporters. It's time to go five-on-three. Welcome back to another episode of Five-on-Three, WFUB's NHL podcast, our second episode of the 2021 pandemic-shortened season. Mike Messina is with me. I'm Chris Hennessy. About 10 games into the season now, Mike. a A lot of things to talk about, especially locally, After an interesting, boring at times, but big win for the Islanders locally last night.
1: Yeah, Chris. um, Ten games in. Honestly, kind of expected, kind of where I expected the Rangers to be. I'm not sure how you feel about the Islanders situation, but certainly not where we expected the Devils to be with their situation right now. Haven't been on the ice for a couple days now, and their postponements through. February 16th. So we have to see what's really happening with them and, and when they're going to be able to play again.
0: Yeah, let's start. Let's start with the, the game last night. The Rangers uh, dropped two nothing to the Islanders on home ice. Semyon Varlamov, the first goalie in Islander history to shut out the Rangers twice in a season, which is pretty remarkable. Um, with the win, the Islanders go to five, four and two. They're at 12 points in 11 games four, good enough for fourth place in the East three points behind Washington. The Rangers now in a tied for, tie for sixth place slash. They're an eighth because of the tiebreakers. Four, five, and two through 11 games, 10 points. Buffalo and New Jersey have the 10 points as well. And when you play 10 games against the team, it it's kind of ridiculous to say that the third one was a big one. But they were tied, and now they're not, and the Islanders put themselves in a playoff position. Um, I put that in air quotes because they're – Two points from the bottom but they put themselves in a playoff position with a huge win on the road after a couple of games of being god awful just before that
1: yeah um you said it perfectly but like you said there's three people tied at the bottom with 10 points but the rangers realistically lost four games in a row by one score game so if they if they're able to hold that third period lead for some reason they're not able to they could be in the top of the leaderboard. You know what I mean? Like their their third year play in the beginning of the season was atrocious. It's gotten better to this point. KeyAndre Miller stepped up last night with a, a big stop. Uh I forget who sh- maybe I forget who was gonna shoot the puck, but it was about to be 3-0. He was, was wide open. KeyAndre Miller got a stick in there, broke it up which he's been doing all season long. He's been phenomenal for the Rangers this far. Quick, gritty player. And um like, like, that that's exactly what they need in third period every week, every game. But they, they need to do something, man. They, they need to figure out what they're doing wrong in order to not give up that thir- that two-goal lead, that
0: one-goal lead like they're used to doing. I think the team's lacking a little bit of juice. I think they just, they just need a, a jolt. And when you have a guy like Artemi Panarin on your team, you kind of expect that jolt to be every night. But not that he's been bad, but...
1: He leads a team, in, leads a team in points, to... but, I mean, five goals, ten assists, it's not awful at all, but I would like to see some more goal production out of him.
0: For sure, and I think I think last night is the perfect the perfect look into the Ranger season. And as you said, yes, Panarin's been fantastic, but he could be better because we saw it last year how good he was, hard trophy candidate, and so on. Shesterkin got off to a tough start of the season. But now he's really kind of rounded into form here, ten games in. So you, it's tied 0-0. Panarin gets a breakaway. He's he's poaching in the neutral zone. He the puck slides out to him. He gets a breakaway on Varlamov, and he doesn't. Like he gets a fine shot off, and Varlamov makes a really nice glove save. But I was expecting a, a Deke move, something insane, and he just kind of ripped it glove side, and Varlamov. Varlamov locked it down, and after the game, all the players who spoke to the media, it was Sezikis, Martin, Clutterbuck, Varlamov himself, and uh, Barry Trotz, all said that that save was a huge turning point in the game. After that, the Sezikis okay. goal to make it one nothing. the Martin goal to make it 2 nothing, and the game's over. Absolutely. And that's kind of – I feel like that's the goal Panarin scored last year.
1: 100%. And even games prior to this, when they're on a 2-0-0 breakaway or a 2-1-1, even on a power play – He takes a shot and he whiffs at it. He he like his shots aren't going where he wants them to be. He's missing some of the shots, but he's not connecting on on them like last year, and he's not burying the puck.
0: Sabanajad a little tough start to the season for him as well. He missed. He was one on zero against Varlamov in a little bit of a shorter uh, shorter ice, not quite quite the breakaway, but he had a chance to make that game one nothing right after. Uh, Panarin did, and if we're gonna if we're gonna bash Panarin, we gotta bash the bandage. one goal, two assists in eleven games is a minus four, eight penalty minutes. Uh, it has not been good, uh, easy going for him either. But all of this kind of, uh, all this on ice issues have taken somewhat of a back seat to what was a tumultuous, ridiculous end to the Tony D'Angelo era in new york um we don't have to get into his off the ice on social media uh life because that's not why he was kicked off the team uh he blamed alexander Georgiev for a goal that tony d'angelo simply should have blocked if you want if you've ever played hockey if you've ever watched hockey if you know what hockey is and you watch that goal it's pretty clear tony d'angelo should have blocked the shot in the overtime loss against pittsburgh He blames it on Alex Georgiev, Keandre Miller, and Chris Cryer step in. That's the end of Tony D'Angelo's career in New York after just getting a contract extension. And if I'm being honest, Mike, it's the end of his NHL career, in my opinion.
1: I don't know if it's the end of his NHL career, but we obviously know that it's the end of his Rangers career. He's never going to play a game for the Rangers again. But I was at that game, Chris. I was at the Garden covering that game for FUV, and... I couldn't tell that there was any discomfort or not hatred, but, but uncomfortability on the ice between the two after that goal. Um, obviously they took it back to the locker room and, and D'Angelo did what he did, but I mean, D'Angelo a, a good player, man. Like I, I believe he should get another shot. Like you said, his off office if issues in the past and in the present are a completely different issue that a team would have to be willing to take with them when they signed D'Angelo. Um but 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 I believe he deserves another chance to play to play in the league. Um, he's very good, very fast, and he knows what he's doing. He can he always makes the right plays. But it's just stupid, man. Like you 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 can't be doing that, especially to your
0: goalie. The back especially of, to your goalie, absolutely. The the team, you have to have his back no matter what. Absolutely. I mean, the reason I say he's out is not because of what happened with the Rangers. It's because of his track record. Mm-hmm. Just look at his Wikipedia page, man. It's a, it's a ride. He he was penalized in the OHL for, in the USHL for, um, you know, being, like getting mad at the ref. He violated the discriminatory policy there. He was with he's drafted by the Lightning before he was ever played a game. He was traded to the Coyotes. He quickly wore out his welcome there. He comes here. It looks like maybe he turned it around, but clearly not. And I don't think another team's gonna take a chance on him because there's just no point. Like, yeah, he's a good player, but he's replaceable. Do they really yeah. want
1: do they want everything that comes with him along right. with the player he is? Uh, absolutely. I don't know. Like
0: oh. I, I don't know. Like I don't I don't want, you know, to I'm not, you know, accusing anybody, but he's not Sidney Crosby, he's not Connor David. If those issues were with those guys, it's a different story. He's a five cool. ten defenseman cool. who scores a couple goals every once in a while, who isn't mm-hmm. that good on defense, complete defensive liability who score some goals. I, I, he's a fine player, and if he had no off-ice issues, he'd be a really solid fourth or fifth defenseman on this team. But he's done, he has a ton of off-ice issues and on-ice issues. Um, and he, so he's off the Rangers, and I would be hard-pressed to see him in an NHL uniform again.
1: Yeah, I mean, Condra Miller is stuffed up as well. I know, I know I briefly mentioned this before, but he is playing a fantastic game. He's so gritty. He he hustles that no matter the puck could be on the other side of the ice. He, he's going after it. And I'm not going to say it's a, he's a replacement because he was obviously playing with them. But I mean, he he's doing the job that we need him to do more than
0: D'Angelo was anyways. Exactly, exactly. And I think that, that lessens that blow a little bit. Uh, across the hall, the Islanders five four and two. Um, they've won a couple of good games. They've lost a couple of games that make me want to rip my hair out. They they win the first game against the Rangers. Great win. They lose the second game against the Rangers in what was an awful, awful game. Two shutouts. Two shutouts, which is pretty wild. Um, then you got the Bruins game they won. What what really drove me nuts was it was four consecutive games that they should have won and they lost. So you had the two games against the Capitals, one of which they're up three nothing and lost six to three, without Ovechkin, Orlov, Kuznetsov, and um, not just um, Samsonov. So they're starting goalie, their best player and one of their best defensemen all out and they lose both the game. That was not good. And then they go to Philly. They lose two games in overtime. If you turn those games around, you're in the first place in the division. And they didn't turn them around. Now they're fighting for a playoff spot. So now after that Flyers game, they're going to play the Sabres. Those games get canceled because of the Sabres COVID issues. And since then, They've played two of the best games of the season. They beat Pittsburgh. They beat the Rangers. Were they perfect? No, they were not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and say they are perfect. The offense still needs a lot of work. I'm not going to deny that. <clears throat> as long as I've been on this podcast, I've said that they their offense needs a lot of work. And with Beauvillier out for an extended period of time, that's proven true. Michael Dow takes a boneheaded penalty in the first period last night, but it didn't hurt them. So that's good. But they seem to have turned it around a little bit after the Washington losses and the Philly losses. They're playing Pittsburgh again this week, trying to make a little win streak here and and kind of get back on track. And um, it looks like Semyon Barlamov is the guy to push them there. Is that who you want going? If you, if you, if if you had the, the opportunity to pick
1: who's, who's in that for that game, who is it going to be?
0: It has to be Varley. It has to be. I mean, this guy is three shutouts, most in the league. He, you know, look, Ilya Sorokin, will be the starting goaltender of this team in in the future. I have no doubt about that. His first three games, no, have not been great, but I do not doubt that he will be the starting goalie of this team. What you hear from people who know a lot more about goaltending than I do, you know, I played, but I was not a goalie, and I don't understand goaltending at all, um, is that the angles in a KHL rank versus an NHL rank are completely different. Um, And that is something that, it takes time to get used to. If you look at Igor Shosturkin, he was in Hartford for quite a while before he came up to the Rangers last February. And that helped him kind of ease that transition into the national hockey league, getting used to the angles in Hartford and then going to the Rangers. Ilya Sorokin does not have that ability because of the sound tigers. And they're not really able to bring guys up as much. So he just doesn't have that ability because he came up a year later than Shosturkin. And that's okay. It's fine. But it, it it stinks that he's getting blown out on national television every night. So I I you have to pick Varley for now, but that's not an anti-Sorokin take by, by any stretch.
1: Yeah, no, that that's – going back to the Rangers for a second, that's like our goal situation is crazy. Like can just played four in a row, obviously, but Quinn was switching them every other game no matter how well they were playing. And he said that in the press conference. He was like, yeah, no matter how they do, they're going – they're alternating every single game. And like that, I I don't understand the point of that. If, if one goalie's playing great, why are we rotating them? You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. uh, Like Valarmo is playing great. He should be playing, which he is playing the majority of the games, which is great. So I, I I just don't understand where Quinn's thought process is in the fact that they want to alternate every single game. Maybe, maybe that's not the thought process anymore, considering just just played four in a row, but we'll have to see because, because,
0: because that's not the answer for the long run at all right so and then it's not and I we talked about this last year with um with the Islanders and Grice and Varlamov and coming off of that the playoffs where Robin Leonard kind of just got worn out Mm -hmm. after six or seven consecutive games which he hadn't played all season long um against Carolina and and it's you know maybe you gotta really pick a starting goalie and have a great backup like you saw Pittsburgh with Matt Murray in 2016 and and so on and so forth, have a great backup, Jordan Bennington, obviously, with the Blues, to, for the playoffs. But you've got to have a starting goalie. And it looks like that's what the Islanders are trying to do here. Get Sorokin used to the North American game. Get him used to this rink. Put him in for a bunch of games against, you know, maybe against lesser teams. Maybe put him in only against Buffalo and New Jersey and play, semi, and play Varley against every other team. Maybe that's how you do it. I don't know. But who has he had those two losses against? One was against the Rangers in game two because Varlamov got hurt in the warmups. Oh, Varlamov? Who were those two losses against?
1: No, it was Sorokin.
0: Oh, yeah. One was against New Jersey and one was against the Rangers. Rangers. So, I, I don't know. I, I think Varley, you have to go with him now. And it, it's, I mean, the thing about it is Sorokin isn't 22. He's 25. Mm-hmm. So, I think that that kind of has an impact on this. I think if he's 22, there's no question about it. And you keep him on the team. You put him in every once in a while. And you just kind of, you just hope that he is able to figure it out. But I don't don't know. It's, It's tough. Because I think that, without a doubt, Varlamov is the guy right now. And you have to hope Sorokin's the guy for the future. But for this season, it's Varlamov after three shutouts in eight games.
1: Which is the right move so i i have nothing i have nothing against that move at all because if he's playing this well why would you take him out
0: no you 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 don't don't. i
1: I understand Sorokin's young he's 25 but you gotta win games yeah you just you gotta win games a season in a shortened season shortened schedule so you gotta do whatever it takes man no matter Mm -hmm. no matter if it's the what, what the fans want, what the media wants. It, it doesn't matter. You just gotta Varlamov has to be in that most most of the games this season. Uh,
0: and I think if you ask a lot of Islander fans, it's it's no question right now that it has to be a Varlamov and there's still hope for Sorokin, and uh, there's no reason for there not to be. So but he's having a fantastic season, Semi Varlamov. And other than that, you can't really say fantastic season on anybody else on this team. Um the scoring is down as it always is Barzal leads the team 12 points in 11 games josh bailey has looked terrible in every game he's played and yes. had
1: one good. goal two assists
0: minus two and the one goal was a tip in which is it's still a goal but he didn't shoot the puck um Matt Martin got his first goal last night. Sezek is only with his second. That fourth line was a disaster, kind of right around that losing streak in the middle. Um, And it was not pretty, but they came out last night and won that game for them. So you hope that that's going to parlay itself into more, you know, better play from that fourth line, more what we're used to, more what we saw in the playoffs where Matt Martin had all those goals. That's what they need. So, well, I mean, we'll see about that. And I think, you know, Barzell obviously has been fantastic. He always is fantastic, but he makes some boneheaded decisions, man. He's got 24 penalty minutes, leading the team by a lot. Next closest is Ross Johnston with 18. Ross Johnston, come on. He makes some bad passes. I, I, it just feels like there's, there's something missing. Something happened. Like, the team that played the Flyers is not this team right now. The only commonality with the team that played the Flyers in seven games and won seven games in the second round in August. And the team who just lost two games to the Flyers on the road in overtime is the Laundry. And it just feels like there's something missing here. And the fact that they're 5-4-2 and two, and they're still – and they still don't look fantastic is still pretty – is pretty good. I mean, they've won a couple of good games. They've looked pretty good. But they haven't looked as good as they did over the summer. So if they're able – to pull it together here, this could be a, a team that that goes far in the playoffs again. But right now, it doesn't look good.
1: Man, twenty four penalty minutes is outrageous
0: right now. Every time you look up, he's in the box. And it's like what, what are we doing
1: here? I didn't notice it was that many, but that is crazy. What, uh, like, what is he
0: doing? Just it's, wh- all, it's all stick stuff. It's all ja- jamming and jabbing with a stick and. I don't know. It's it's just dumb penalties. And and Trot said after one of the games, you know, it, it's it's just time to to buckle down and stop getting penalties. He didn't get one last night, which is good. And I, I mean, I don't know. He he was kind of invisible last night, though. You didn't really notice him out there. And that's
1: that's something you're getting benched for in the Rangers by Quinn.
0: Well, him. you can't bench him. He just got signed a seven million dollar contract.
1: That's why I'm team.
0: Yeah, yeah you, I mean, can't, you can't bench Matt Barz. I mean. Yeah, you can bench him for 10 minutes. You can bench him for a shift, but you can't bench Barzal a long time because at the end of the day, that's just losing your team hockey game.
1: Yeah, because obviously if you're looking at their points, their goals, and assists, I mean, without Barzal, what are the Islanders going to be able to accomplish right now?
0: Nothing. Literally nothing. Um, Speaking of literally nothing, that's what we've gotten from the New Jersey Devils for the last nine, ten days, and that will continue through February 16th. As COVID ravages them, they passed it along to the Buffalo Sabres. That's how the Islanders games got postponed last week. The Minnesota wild having issues with it. There was issues with it in the West division. Just. It does not look good for the NHL right now. Um, I know we're talking about very mundane things with the Islanders and Rangers, but when you look broad scope, it does not look good. Um, but I think the silver lining of this is that baseball and football also started off poorly as well. So you know, in both of those seasons finished. So maybe they're able to pull this together and whether it's finishing in a bubble or not finish this season out uh, over the summer, but uh, COVID wise, not pretty, especially for uh, the local devils.
1: Yeah. I'm seeing a lot of backlash coming from fans and, and media about how the NHL has handled this situation. Obviously it hasn't, hasn't gone very well yet. We really, we really liked how they transitioned from, last season to the shutdown back into the bubble. We thought they did a really good job, but now that they had to come up with this new plan for this season, the shortened season, COVID tests, no fans. I feel like it's really taken a toll on, on how the NHL has handled certain things. And the, uh, I feel like it's almost inevitable that in order to finish the season, they might have to go into the bubble.
0: Yeah. I mean, in look, it's a lot to ask these guys to go into a bubble for five months. And I understand not wanting to do the whole season in a bubble. And I think that the local schedules with the baseball type schedule, or it's two or three games against the team in a row, is a really good idea to kind of stop the spread, if you think about it, right? That is working in some way. If the Devils had played one game against the Sabres and then the Rangers and then the Penguins, instead of just two games against the Sabres, we're having a complete different conversation right now where there's just no hockey in the East coast. So in that sense, the schedule is working now. You still have 16 people on the COVID list in New Jersey, and you still have a lot of issues across the league. Minnesota hasn't played in a very long time as well. So there are questions, no doubt. And I think that we have to ask them because we've seen this done now, like sports, you know the the anti sports person will tell will will say that the sports aren't essential and you can't argue with that of course it's people's jobs it's people's livelihood mm-hmm. but at the end of the day it's it's not essential so will they stop it's possible but we've seen this done now we saw the MLB come back from covid ravaging both St. Louis and Florida or Miami early in the season to to come back and and finish the season in a moment. We saw football go from having games on Tuesdays and Wednesdays to the whole month of December having no postponements, getting all the way through the playoffs and into the Super Bowl.
1: Which was great, the Tuesday and Wednesdays games, by the way. I wish the, I wish those come back. But in a, in a, in a, in a different way, not because of COVID. I wish
0: they just had them on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Oh, <laughs> well, of course. Um, and we saw them come back from that. So there's not all hope is lost. But I feel like we're one or two teams away from having a real conversation about this ending.
1: No, I think you're, I think you're 100 percent right. Um, I, I feel like that that conversation is already ongoing, and I feel like it's been ongoing since before the season even started. But you having all all these postponements, I, I I I looked this morning. I forget what it is. Even today, I think today there's four postponed games already. that like some something has to be done. Like what's going on? what's going on behind closed doors with the devils that we're not knowing that is making this outbreak occur. And same for the other teams. I, I'm I'm not getting it because like all, like most of the other teams can do what they're supposed to do in order to have a season and, and play hockey. But uh, I'm, I'm not sure what's going on with, with the devils right now. It, it's unfortunate because I would love to watch them play. Obviously not very good, but ho- ho- hockey on the East coast is, something else to watch and, and I, I wish we would be able to watch that right now.
0: For sure. Yeah, there's two postponed games tonight. The Blues in the Wild. That's because of Minnesota, as I mentioned. And Arizona and Colorado. Colorado also having issues uh COVID wise. So and then on Thursday it's three games. It's Coyotes, Colorado again, St. Louis, Minnesota again, and then New Jersey, Philadelphia. So those are the three teams right now who are dealing with it. If you get up to four and five, it's only a 31 team league. Now you only have one sixth of the teams in COVID protocol across all four divisions, right? Like, I don't know. It just it, it feels it feels a lot worse than it did uh, on January 13th. That is for sure.
1: I feel like there there has to be something that needs to change within the rules and the regulations of the protocols or the testing or or whatever it may be in order to get these games to to get the
0: teams under control and, and be able to play these games. I would agree. All right. So let's, let's talk about the North division because this is potentially my favorite thing in the history of sports. And yes, COVID is not a good thing, but the North division is phenomenal. We have, uh, a lot of fantastic storylines. You got Tyler Toffoli coming to the Canadians, lighting the league on fire. They were top in the league at one point. He was scoring a ton of goals. They've kind of faltered off by now, but that was a great start to the season. You have, and then you have something that was a little bit more expected, which Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl. If you look into the analytics and and you look into you know and hockey analytics Twitter, they're putting together the best start to the season by a duo in the history of the National Hockey League. Better than any start to the season Crosby and Malkin have ever had. Just about as good as like any Gretzky and Messier season. It's insanity. They're top they're at the top of the league in points. It's two of the three, two of the four best players in the league on the same team and the team still can't make the freaking playoffs.
1: It is dude, they are 7 points out of first place and they are just awaiting the league up in every way possible. It is C- Connor McDavid needs to go somewhere. He needs to go somewhere else. Oh, well, he just
0: signed a thousand-year contract with the, uh, with um, <laughs> the at Edmonton. Yeah, but
1: dude, it's—I I don't. He might. He might never win a Stanley. He might never make the playoffs. He might never win a Stanley Cup. Well, he
0: already has made the playoffs.
1: It, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah,
0: you're right. So it unfortunate. is unfortunate though. But the reason they're seven points out of first place is because of our next person we want to talk about. We want to get into him more. Is Austin Matthews goals in eight straight games. He leads the league in goals. He has 11 goals in 13 games, I believe. Toronto is 10-2-1, and, and for three years now, like I will, I'll just go, I'll just you know wax for a second. I came onto this podcast a mere months after John Tavares signed with the Toronto Maple Leafs, so naturally, I have had anti-Toronto Maple Leaf takes since I entered this podcast. I'm not going to deny that, and you all know that. But it really wasn't because of John Tavares and the offense. It was because of the defense and the goaltending. But now, it seems to not matter because Austin Matthews scores in literally every single game he plays. And 10 of their games are against Ottawa. So, it doesn't matter what their defense is at the end of the day. They were able to uh, beat Vancouver 3-1 to last night on the, off of two third-period goals, won by Austin Matthews. Goals in eight straight games for him. 10-2-1, best team in the league right now. Um, it's, uh, it, it's something special to watch if you, if you watch them, I mean, 21 points in 13 games and, and just, I don't see a way right now that they lose to the vision because I don't think Montreal is as good as them and Vancouver has gotten off to a really tough start.
1: Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm looking at it right now. Tw- 11 goals, 4 assists, 15 points for Matthews. Like, you might have been talking about Marner, who has 21 points. But even, even then... No, the, playing... team.
0: the team has 21
1: points. Oh, team. Yeah, you're right. My bad. Um, but yeah, like I said, 15 points for Matthews, 21 points for Marner, and they added to that total last night after Marner, M- Marner gave the assist to Matthews' goal last night, which gave him the win. And they are playing fantastic, man. This team is... I mean, let, I mean, I mean, let's not act like it was unexpected that they should be playing this well. They always just cannot finish the job in the playoffs. But it seems like this season they are finally have that foot on the gas, and, and I don't see a, I don't see them stopping anytime soon. They they are playing fantastic. All their bodies are coming together, and they want to win. They want to play well for their goalies, and I,
0: and I feel like it could very well happen. This is the team that. Leafs fans were hoping for when they signed John Tavares. <laughs> At the end of the day, that's what it is. They, when they signed John Tavares, it was this is the best team in hockey. That was the Toronto Maple Leaf take that they were the best team in hockey. You couldn't really say they weren't. Did I? Probably. But you couldn't really say they weren't until they played, and they played and they get eliminated in the first round three years in a row. And now they're, they're pulling it together, man. <laughs> They got two games against the Canadians this week. They got Wednesday and Saturday against Montreal. One, uh, first game in Montreal, the second game in Toronto. Those are two games that can put this team over the top and send them into the number one overall seed in the bracket because if they're able, and obviously they played Montreal a thousand more times this season, but if they're able to sweep Montreal, get way out in front of them and, and put this thing in on cruise control on the left lane. They're going to fly to first place in the North division, not having to worry about the Lightning and the Bruins anymore.
1: No, I, I completely agree. I mean, look, I, I'm not going to discount the Lightning for anything they've done. They are one, like, if not the best, like we're talking about now, definitely second or third best. And then the Bruins, too, they had that great three-goal, come-from-behind win the other night in overtime against the Flyers they were down three to one came back one four three. three somehow it was honestly one of the best performances I've seen by Pasternak in a very long time had the last three goals hat trick and really just put that team on their back. But you're right. Like this team has all the potential in the world to cruise past both those teams as
0: well and make it, but two. they don't have to worry about them. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, they can win this division. Last year, two years ago, we were talking about, oh, the Atlantic, gets so in at the top. Tor- uh, Tampa Bay is going to win because they're the best team. Now mm-hmm. Toronto doesn't have to worry about that. They just had to beat up on Ottawa ten times. Which is likely that that's going to happen every time. Like, oh. the fact that those three teams are in first place in their divisions is, A, not surprising, and, B, tells you how ridiculous the playoff format that we're going to go back to is. It's because they're three of the five best teams in the league when they're on. and. Yeah. I don't know. It, it's it's pretty crazy, and I just wanted to hit on one more thing. We talked about uh, Colorado hitting the um the COVID list. They're in third now, in the West, and um, I think I expected more from Colorado this season. They're postponed through the 11th as of right now, which is Thursday. But I feel like I expected more from them. Adding Devontae's, I almost said John Tavares. Adding <laughs> Devontae's. And and with the insane goal scoring that they have, but they've lost a couple of bad games and and now they're on the COVID list. So I don't know, it's just your thoughts on, on the Colorado season so far and, and what we've seen from them.
1: I don't think they're living up to the expectations that a lot of people believe they should. I mean, Nathan McKinning, two goals, 12 assists, 14 points. He His goals number should be way up. He's not shooting the puck that well, but then again, I feel like this, the situation they're in, the shortened season is kind of throwing a lot of players off of their usual game. Like Panarin per se, McKinnon, McCarr is playing pretty well. One going eleven assists. I mean, that's what I mean. I feel like we don't expect he's he's been playing out of his the goals mind. out of him, but the assists are looking great for him. Mika Ranton in ten points. I mean, they they have they have three of their top players in double digit points, but they need to step up. They need a that like their goaltending needs to step up. What are they at? Seven and two, nine thirty four save percentage, which is actually very good. So so I guess they're doing their part. But the team the team as a whole really needs to come together and and do something. I mean I I, I can't see them making it that far in the playoffs if they keep the energy up that they play with now.
0: They've had, they've had a, a good start to the season. I think I just expected a lot more. I expected this to be far and away the best team in the league. They're 7-3-1. and I don't want to take that away from them, you know, winning 7 of 11 games. But I kind of expected them to be far and away the best team in the West. And, yeah, having been postponed since uh, Thursday the 4th all the way through will end up being Sunday the 14th uh, does not help. But maybe, hey, maybe it does help. And I, I think – what we're gonna find, what we're gonna look at, and I think what's gonna be a really interesting study this season, we'll end on this, is what teams do after a COVID outbreak. Whether it's something like Colorado, where they are the ones who have positive tests, or something like the Islanders, where they had a week off, or four or five days off because of positive test on another team, Buffalo. How does a team bounce back from it? We see the Islanders win two games in a row. But now, you know, the Avalanche are going to have two games against Vegas right out of the gate after their COVID thing. Are they going to are those guys who were sick going to be groggy? Are those guys who were not going to sick be better? I think that's something that's going to be really interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would love to see how like like during their COVID pause what the team does in order to stay in shape, stay ready to play and really really just like workout conditions and, and what they have to do in order to stay ready. But when they come back, are they able to put all those aspects into the game and win games? I mean, we haven't been able to see it with the Rangers yet, but I, I I'd like to see, I'd like to see how a lot of these teams can do. And, and if it really affects them in the long run.
0: Yeah, it's uh it's been a very interesting season to say the least. And um, we just can hope that we'll talk to you next week with more hockey and less COVID um, to discuss. That's going to do it for today. We will talk to you again next week. For Mike Messina, I'm Chris Hennessy. We'll see you then.